VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Today we have a specially pre-recorded program for you, so you won't be calling in, but we have just a terrific guest. We're talking today about branding, about how thousands of entrepreneurs every year who are completely unschooled in modern marketing techniques start new businesses, but most of them fail, and few of them survive because they do not know how to brand themselves. And that's what we're talking about today with my guest. My guest is David Vinjamori, and he's the author of the book, Accidental Branding, How Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Brands. David Vinjamori is an adjunct professor of marketing at New York University and president of Third Wave Brand Trainers, a marketing training company whose clients include American Express, Starwood Hotels, and other leading consumer brands. He has over 18 years of corporate experience holding marketing positions with other brand giants, including Johnson & Johnson and Coca-Cola. Welcome, David. Thank you, Patricia. All right. You have six rules in your research that you've discovered that are really keys for accidental marketers. And it's interesting because I, when I read them, I thought, oh, this was going to be more clinical in terms of, you know, what you should add, how many people you should contact, you know, very specific strategies. Mm. And these are not those at all. <laughs> these are more conceptual. The first one is do sweat the small stuff. That's right. Do sweat the small stuff is really about attention to detail. And the re- I like to think of this as choreographing the customer experience. And it's particularly important for... Um, business-to-business companies, for small businesses, for folks who are building their own businesses from scratch. Um, You never know exactly what will be the one important detail that you forgot about when Mm -hmm. you're dealing with a customer. Mm -hmm. And let me give you uh, an example of that. Let's say that you have a dentist's office and you're trying to build your brand within your community. And... um, At some point, you're buying supplies, and the person coming in to deliver water is treated poorly by your receptionist because they're not a customer, right? Mm -hmm. But this person knows a lot of other people in the community, talks to them, and says something about your business. Suddenly, you've created an important brand message that's not at all what you want it to be. Um, What I learned when I spent time with entrepreneurs all over the country, these folks who have built huge and successful brands like um, Burt's Bees or The Art of Shaving mm-hmm. or Craigslist is that these entrepreneurs actually pay attention to everything, anything that, that could possibly touch their brand, whether it's treating employees the right way or making sure that um, their vendors understand their message. It's all part of their uh, focus on details. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how do you know? You know, I mean, sometimes it just slips by. What... What methods do you use to ensure that you get those little details? Well, I think that the, the, the best thing to do is just to assume that 
anytime you're doing something that um, anybody else will see, and I really mean anybody else within your organization or outside of it, assume that it's going to reflect on the brand. You know how they say never send an email um, unless you assume that whatever you wrote in the email is going to be on the front page of the New York Times? <laughs> it, it's sort of like that rule uh, because you, you just have to assume that um, anything that you do that just strikes people as not fitting with with what your message is, even if you don't really put it into advertising and it's not uh, part of your package design, that it'll, it'll still be out there and it may cause a little discordant note with your consumer. Mm-hmm. So everything that you write, everything that you say has to be very well thought out is what you're saying. Yeah, and I think you, you, you have an intuition for your brand. If you built a business, you know what your brand means. And just make sure that you're in that brand mindset all the time. Um, and I, and I, I would actually include for entrepreneurs, I would remember that your personal dealings probably are very similar because people associate you with your brand so closely. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second one you have is pick a fight, which is interesting because we all hear, don't pick a fight. <laughs> what do you mean? What I mean by that is it's the easiest way to help define your brand for consumers is to let them know what you're not and what you disagree with. Um, And frankly, if you don't disagree with anything the way that it's being done today, you probably don't have a good reason to start your own new business. Um, Mm -hmm. An easy way to understand Apple, for instance, is to, if you already knew Microsoft and you know that Apple picked a fight with Microsoft and they don't agree with Windows or Windows Vista, then you would know already, before you even come to Apple, what some of their core values are. Um, So picking a large competitor, somebody who's already very well established, who represents the sort of the opposite of what your business stands for, and actually picking a fight with them is good business. So again, you know, it's really about paying attention to the details. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's really the same thing in a different form. Well, I think it's about understanding what your business is in this case. It's understanding what your brand means, and, and picking a fight really helps you define what your brand is for consumers. So here's a big question, David, and that is how do you set yourself aside from the competition when your competitor is doing something very, very similar? Well, I think here's here's the the challenge um, is that you really have to figure out before you start a business, or if you're if you inherit a family business, or you become CEO of a small business, you have to figure out what is it exactly that you do differently. You know, and it may not be the big things; it may be some of the small things. But that's what you have to try to emphasize, and that's how you build your brand positioning. Because frankly. You know, there's not a lot of room for branding Me Too um, unless you're the first one to to do something. It's fine to be first and have people copy you, but if you're not first, you really need to have a point of difference. Mm -hmm. Next one is be your own customer. You say, unlike corporate marketers, successful entrepreneurs are the consumers of their own products. The best work, hard to keep these consumers' instincts. Yes. Absolutely. So, you know, and this is not so much of a problem for entrepreneurs because I think they tend to naturally start businesses where they're solving their own problems. But my point here is that uh, 
you shouldn't try to think, um, what do people need and how can I meet that need? You should think, what do I need? And the reason I say that is because there's very good um, experience, both, both from these entrepreneurs that I wrote about, as well as from corporations, that it's very hard to understand what other people are thinking. Even when you ask them, they don't exactly know. They don't, a good example is the, um, the Aeron chair uh, by Herman Miller. When they first researched the chair, people thought it was ugly. They thought it was uncomfortable. They didn't understand it at all. Now, Herman Miller persisted, and eventually it became the number one selling chair of all time. It got design awards, and it was tremendously popular. But it's only because they were able to explain it for consumers and to create the, the right setting for consumers to accept it. But people didn't know in advance when they first saw it how they were really going to react to it. Mm-hmm. If you're your own consumer, you don't have that problem because you sort of know what's going to solve your own problems. But, but in that, though, comes a little bit of risk because you have to really trust your own gut. You know, if this is something you believe in and you use and you love... You know, if you haven't market tested it, you're really not sure it's going to work. You know it will. So how much do you have to rely on your own instinct, David, and how much do you have to do research? Well, you know, I would suggest actually having been a corporate brand manager and I've commissioned literally millions of dollars worth of research that um, most market research is a fallacy. It doesn't accurately measure, and we know this very well, um, that uh, research will often tell you that things will work which don't in fact work. Mm. There, there's a reason that 90% of, of you know, the things that you see that are new every year in the supermarket uh, fail, even though all of them have been uh, research-tested. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a, an interesting little book called Blink um, that you may have seen where he talks about this idea of uh, using your gut. But he, he talks about it in a different way. He calls it expert intuition. Mm-hmm. And my point is, when you're solving your own problem, when you're solving something that you genuinely experience yourself, you are really an expert. You're an That's expert true. consumer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. your, your intuition may be terrible in a lot of careers that you're in because you're not actually the person who's being affected by the problem that you're trying to solve, but it's usually pretty good when you are that person. Now, the, the natural question that comes out of that is, is the market big enough uh, for your particular problem, and I think that's something that you can actually look at with research. Okay. So what you're saying is your intuition is really very important. Don't, don't, uh, don't diminish that is what you're saying. Yeah. You, let me give you another quick example of that. There's, um, there's this industry that existed for more than 100 years in terms of uh, handling livestock, so how to shear sheep, how to turn cows into or steer into uh, hamburgers and all that. And for years, there, there were academic researchers. There was tons of money spent on it. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, and they thought they understood exactly how to run these processes. And then in the late 1970s, a woman named Temple Grandin um, got involved in the industry. She started teaching, and she was very ordinary in every way except she had Asperger's syndrome, which is a mild form of autism. Mm-hmm. And she found that she actually perceived the world in certain ways that was very similar to the way that sheep and cows do, uh, meaning that her, the things that startled her or, or affected her were different from other people but very similar to how the animals did. And she actually got into 
the feeding chutes and the the processes in the lines, and she found that things that the industry had never thought of, like a tree that cast a shadow across a line in the middle of the day that would upset the animals, where a person would never have been upset by a shadow, uh, were mm-hmm. a big deal. So my point is, when you do research, if you're not the customer, if you don't have the intuition, you don't even necessarily know the right questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And that's why, if, if there were perfect research, I would be completely with you, but a lot of the research we actually do doesn't uh, address our problems. Okay, all right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about building a myth, being faithful, and how to uh, really be persistent in branding. My guest is David Binjamuri, and his book is Accidental Branding, How Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Brands. This is a specially pre-recorded program, so you won't be calling in, but you can certainly log on to the website, which is accidentalbranding.com. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Real Talk with Marcy Mason. A refreshing and charming talk radio show for all of you entertainment enthusiasts. Whether you're stargazing on Hollywood Boulevard or in the stands cheering for your favorite team, Real Talk is here to satisfy the curiosity of the dedicated lifestyle and entertainment enthusiasts by giving everyday people the information they crave about what's going on in their communities and the world around them. Don't miss Real Talk with Marcy Mason, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. To be when I grow up by Johnny Mar- Dad, it's John. I got the promotion. We'll call him John Jr. You'll speak over 500 million words in your lifetime, but none of them will be as important as the words you use to tell your six year old he has cancer. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Want pure inspiration and great ideas for action? Want to become successful beyond your hopes and dreams? Then tune in to Millionaire Mentor with best-selling author, one of the world's leading women entrepreneurs, and host, Luann Mitchell-Halter. Luann and her guests, all masters of global inspiration, share their secrets to manifesting and positive daily mental exercise principles. From how to get affordable health care to billionaire mentality and bankrupt no more imagery, Millionaire Mentor dares you to live the life you love and Love the life you live. Millionaire Mentor with Luann Mitchell-Halter broadcasts each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Millionaire Mentor, achieve your greatest heights. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. Remember, this is the show that shows you how to turn your problems into solutions, your obstacles into opportunities, and how to make your dreams come true. 
We cover all areas from health to wellness to finances to career to success to happiness to anything that helps you make your life more fulfilled and happier. And we are now in our sixth or seventh year, I think it might be year number seven, of Positive Living right here on VoiceAmerica.com. I really believed in the Internet in the early days when it was really just starting, and now it's flourishing. There are so many wonderful shows on Voice America. So listen to this one and listen to many others on the many networks that Voice America has to offer. We have a specially pre-recorded program for you. You won't be calling in, but you certainly can log on to the website, which is AccidentalBranding.com. My guest is David Vinjamori. His book is Accidental Branding. Branding, how Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Brands. David Njimori is an adjunct professor of marketing at New York University and president of Third Way Brand Trainers, a marketing training company whose clients include American Express, Starwood Hotels, and other leading consumer brands. He has over 18 years of corporate experience holding marketing position with brand giants including Johnson & Johnson and Coca-Cola. And today uh, we're very happy to have him on the program. Welcome back, David. Thank you. All right. You, one of the things you talk about is be unnaturally, unnaturally persistent. Oh, and you said <laughs> overnight success takes ten to twenty years, and I can attest to that personally. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how much longer things take than you think they will? Well, particularly if you're a pioneer, and I was a pioneer um, in doing this kind of media work. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's been twenty five years now. Yeah, well, you, and when you do something really new, it takes time for the market and for people to catch up with you. Yeah, and in the beginning, they look at you as a little off. Exactly. You know, you're crazy. People don't want to, I heard in the early 80s, David, people would say to me, nobody wants to hear these kinds of programming we will never make it. <laughs> the world is based on negative sensationalism, and now everybody wants to be inspired to hear the good things. Exactly. But, yeah, it, it, took, but it took this long. It's absolutely true. So, I mean, it, I had a, a conversation with um, uh, somebody who uh, does development for my uh, undergraduate institution. He was telling me about this business that he ran, and it sounded like a great idea to me. And, I'm saying, and I asked him, well, why did it fail? He said, well, you know, we've been doing it for a couple of years, and it just wasn't what we wanted to <laughs> stop. And I was thinking, wow, you know, that, you, you, that could have been the rest of your life, and you, you just didn't give it a chance. But that's yeah. really what I learned when I was researching the book is I, some of these brands felt like overnight successes to me. And I remember um, before I ruled it out because the guy who started it was uh, actually a trained marketer, I was looking at Red Bull as well, which seemed to me to just completely explode overnight. And that brand took about uh, almost 20 years to reach $100 million. Mm. Um, it, it literally puttered along um, on almost nothing for the first several years. Uh, it takes a lot longer than people think. It's a good good way to uh, to know if you're you've been successful is if you're making a little bit of money by the fourth or the fifth year. That's probably a good sign, but that's not even true with all the people who've been successful. Um, Seth Godin wrote a, a nice little book called The Dip, and he talks about um, this issue of how you get started and things start to move, and then you have a little bit of a slump. This seems to happen to many, many entrepreneurial businesses. Well, I also think that you have to stay with the vision. And I think think staying with the vision comes from an absolute belief or just a drive that you have to do this because it's so important for some reason, some purpose, as as, uh, as Warren, I think as David Warren points out in his book, you know, the purpose-driven life. Mm -hmm. And just that you have to stay with it. 
Yeah, you know, Roxanne Quimby, the Birch Bees founder, told me you you really have to be very clear about who your customer is and and generally the problem that you're solving for them. But you have to be a little bit flexible about how. And if you sort of keep your eyes open and listen, your customers will continue to tell you better ways to solve that problem. Um, so, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily know exactly the business you're in when you start it, and it evolves over time. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you're right. And then the market changes. The person that I was talking about is Rick Warren, who wrote A Purpose Driven Life. Right. And that was just so important to help people look at that. And that has really held me through. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, I had someone say to me very recently who was a marketing person, she said, you know, it's really unusual for somebody to stay with this as long as you have. But, again, I think you have to believe in this and you have to know in your gut, as you said in the beginning about instinct, that the tides are going to turn. Yeah, you know, I worked on this brand when I was at Johnson & Johnson, which had a it had about an eight share nationally, so 8% of all the sales in this category were for my brand. But in Denver, it had over 30%. And I couldn't figure it out, and I finally found somebody who had been at J&J for like 30 years since the brand was launched. And he said, oh, I know why that is. It's because Denver was the test market, and they did brand education, they went to high schools, they did all of these things in Denver that they didn't do nationally. I said, well, why didn't they do them anywhere else? He said, well, because they didn't pay out. And by that he meant that they didn't produce a positive return in the year that they actually did them. And yet, you know, 30 years later, they had created a, a, a market that had three times the share that the national market did. So it was a great investment, but our time horizon is so small, so short as corporations that I I think this is actually a huge um, advantage for entrepreneurs is you can afford to be much more long-sighted than than most corporations can. Well, and with the Internet, don't you think that's made a huge difference? Yes, it's it's brought our cost down for everything. Yeah. All right, number five in your six rules for seven accidental marketers is build a myth, and you say successful entrepreneurs work to determine the narrative of their brand and how it will be shared. Explain that. Yeah, and by myth here, I really mean the original meaning of myth or of mythology, which is not a false story. It's actually something true. So myth has two roots. It comes from the Greek words mythos and logos. Myth is a narrative, a story, and logos is a speech or an argument, and it sort of tells a moral lesson. So, you know, myths originally were stories that explained why things worked in the world the way that they did. Now, the nice part of this for a brand is if you tell something that is true about how your brand was founded and what it means, and you do so in such a way that is easy to share and that it gives the values of your brand along with it, that's the logos part, mm-hmm. um, then you've got a great mythology for your brand. And a great example is the way that Roxanne Quimby talks about Bert from Bert's Bees, or if you pick up a cliff bar and turn it over, you'll read about Gary Erickson talking about his father and the values that yeah. he embodied and, and why that's yeah. important to him. It's interesting when you say that about the bees, because I do want to share this in terms of marketing and branding. I found my brand really sort of accidentally. My, my symbol is a bumblebee. And the reason that that works is because what the bumblebee does is they kind of, they buzz and they focus and then they move on and they pollinate. And that's exactly what I do through my networking, through interviewing people like you. I draw out the honey and we bring it to the guests. So I'm basically getting the nectar and bringing it out and pollinating through the airwaves. 
And it just was very clear to me. And then also that the point of the buzzing and focusing when you watch a bee on a flower and then you go to the next flower. But you focus when you're on. You do what you need to do and then you move to the next and do that. And that, that really, and it's interesting because, you know, I did that just because I just wanted to do that and it felt right. And then I've had people come up to me later, David, and say, oh, well, you, you're wearing a bee pin. Oh, that's what you should be. You should have a symbol. I mean, as, as though I really planned this and calculated it. And my bee is on my card. And people remember that. And it really was the right thing to do, but it wasn't this conscious, strategic move on my part is what I'm trying to say. Right. Well, and, and all of these people that I um, interviewed similar to you did this uh, instinctively. You know, they just yes. thought it was sort of the right thing to do, and they never thought this is good marketing. They just thought this is how I want to tell my story and how I want to have people share my story. So I, I, I think that's a fantastic example of, of accidental branding. Yeah. Well, I think that's great. Let's go on to be faithful. Okay, be faithful is your sixth rule in research of your seven accidental marketers. And be faithful means successful entrepreneurs figure out who really supports them and keeps listening to them even as their brand becomes more successful. The point in the book is really simple, and that is just that you get a, a, a wonderful problem to have when you're actually doing better than, than you thought you would originally and suddenly you have a little bit bigger brand. And you have to remember that you need to stay true to the original customers. So if you have a, a brand and you're selling to skate shops and suddenly Walmart comes along and they want all of your newest products and you say, okay, you, may, you might make a lot of money in the short term, but you're hurting your brand in the long term. But I actually think... Um, this idea of being faithful and, and staying true to who you are has a lot of personal importance for building your own brand. Um, there's very good research to show that when you get into an interview, people decide within about the first 10 to 15 seconds of an interview, before you've answered a single question, whether they're going to recommend you to be hired or not. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the, the meaning of that is that in your life and in your career, there are going to be people who are very big fans and very big supporters and people who are not. And a lot of times the way that corporations work is they try to, try to get us to focus on the people who are not positive and make them positive. Mm-hmm. And what this suggests instead is that you should actually focus on the people who really support you and like what you do and, and make it easier for them to do more for you. Um, and I think that's a very important life lesson. Well, well, isn't that sort of the same principle of uh, doing business with repeat customers, getting more business from them rather than just going after new customers? Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, we know um, in marketing, we know that 60% of all brand purchases, even with brands that are advertised, come from word of mouth. So the best thing to do in marketing is to get customers to talk about you to other people who don't know about you rather than to try to talk talk to new prospects yourself. Um, so, yeah, it absolutely follows the same principle. Okay. All right, we're going to go to break. And before we do, how can people learn more about what you're doing? Well, there's two ways. They can go to accidentalbranding.com. And I'm absolutely happy if anybody wants to email me. It's david at brandtrainers, B-R-A-N-D, T-R-A-I-N-E-R-S.com. I'm always happy to answer questions. Okay, terrific. All right, and the website is, is brand, 
at noaccidentalbranding.com. That's right. All right, my guest has been and is David Vinger Murray. His book is Accidental Branding, How Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Brands. You won't be calling in today. This is especially pre-recorded. Log on to accidentalbranding.com. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again? 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. We all know that somebody. They are always in a great mood, always smiling, always getting exactly what they want. What if that somebody could be you? Let Andrea with an I help you find your personal bliss every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America channel. Explore the endless possibilities of using the law of attraction through faith, trust, and support. Tune in Wednesdays to Ask Andrea, the law of attraction in action on the Voice America channel. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh, there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And as I say, it's always an honor and pleasure to be with you each week. This program is about turning your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, and making your dreams come true. We have a specially pre-recorded program for you today, so you won't be calling in, but you can log on to AccidentalBranding.com. My guest is David Finger murray and he is the author of Accidental Branding, How Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Brands. And David Vinjamori is an adjunct professor of marketing at NYU, New York University, and president of Third Way Brand Trainers, a marketing training company whose clients include American Express, Starwood Hotels, and other leading consumer brands. David has over 18 years of corporate experience holding marketing positions with giants like Johnson & Johnson and Coca-Cola. Welcome back, David. Thank you, Patricia. Okay, let's talk about the Internet. Big okay. Internet tools, how entrepreneurs can really take advantage of the tools uh, on the Internet. Well, I, you know, I think the Internet has been an unbelievable um, opportunity for entrepreneurs. And I actually started my own business about a little bit over four years ago and found that it was so much easier than it would have been just 
four or five years before that. So a couple of things I think um, that entrepreneurs should think about when starting their own business. One is um, it's easy to have a website. It's easy to put information up, and, and it's also easy to make uh, to create products over the Internet. So whether that's um, if you're um, a guru or a, an expert advice giver, you can create teleseminars or do things like that and charge money over the Internet. But also I would very much urge people to either do what you're doing and have a, a radio show or a podcast or to have a blog because um, you know, a blog is really no more than um, a column but that sits out on, you know, in cyberspace. And because of the way that Google searches, blogs tend to uh, rank very high in search. So it's a great way to get yourself noticed. And, and the nice thing over time, if you pick something that you're really interested in, you can, and it's very narrow, and this is what I always advise. Uh, I teach um, blogging at NYU, and I always tell my students it's really, really important to find something that's so nar narrow that no established newspaper journalist could ever focus on that issue. I actually had a uh, student who writes the number one uh, blog in the world on puggles, on mm. the breed of dog puggles. Um, and the nice thing about that is that you really can become a resource, and not only a resource for consumer consumers, but um, a resource for journalists. And at, at their heart, all brands are about expertise. Um, so whatever brand or whatever business you want to build, you need to be the expert in something, and a, and a blog potentially is a very, very good way to, to create that expertise. Mm. Well, and, and what I hear you talking about there is niche marketing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about very specific, you know, kind of, of, of thing. Well, you know, and the irony is that in some ways I believe that all marketing is niche marketing. So if you look at... Um, one of the biggest brands in the world today, um, and you knew that this brand started out just making um, shoes for serious runners, and that they sold the shoes. It was a, a track coach and one of his uh, runners that, that designed the shoes, and, and the runner sold these shoes out of the trunk of a car, um, and they grew the business very, very slowly. You would sort of think, well, that might be an interesting little business. I've probably never heard of them until you heard that it was Nike. But they still focus, when, when, they're, when they are effective at what they're doing, they still focus on these little niches and on being experts to the serious athletes, even though mm -hmm. lots of other people buy the brands. Mm -hmm. So the narrower that your, your brand positioning is, the more your expertise is very specific, ironically, the wider your potential appeal is. Yes. Let's talk about building the brand, and let's talk about something that I think is a little more challenging, and I, I'm asking this because I go through it, and many people that I interview go through it because they are speakers and authors and trainers and, um, you know, and really have their own message to deliver, and that is branding you. You know, so now we don't have a widget, David, and we don't have a shoe, and we don't have a drink. It's you, and that's, you know, that's a challenge. No, it absolutely is, but there, the research into how the brain works actually suggests that people don't remember people any differently than they remember brands, that the way that the neural synapses work, you actually 
have very simple associations, and if they're easy to understand and they're memorable, they'll work, whether that's to a person or to, you know, tide. Um, and if they're not, they, they won't stick. So that so very similar principles are really important. Now, um, my personal philosophy about building your own brand is, one, understand who you are and what you do and be very specific about that and be as narrow as possible about what you really want to become the expert in. And the more you focus in on your expertise, uh, the better off you're going to be. Um, secondly, as we were just talking about before the break, um, it's incredibly important to start to identify the people who love what you're doing and resonate with your message and to enroll them because they, they want to help you and they want to help build your brand. And a lot of times I think um, uh, entrepreneurs and individuals who have their own brand fail because they don't think to ask for help. Um, and generally, you know, if you find a great little restaurant that nobody's ever heard of um, and you're able to tell four or five friends of it, you're not asking for them for a favor. You're doing them a favor. So remember that when people are recommending you, they're not doing a favor to you if they really believe in you. They're actually doing a favor to their friends. But you have to make it easy for them. Yeah, exactly, because they found something that they really like and they're right. sharing it is what you're saying. Exactly. And the last thing I would suggest is to be generous with your time. And what I mean by that is that, let's say you're a first-time author, um, you shouldn't really care about how many books you sell. You should care about how many people you get to read and be enthusiastic about your book. You should be happier to get 10 people to complete your book and be excited about it than 100 to buy it because you know most of books most books that are bought are not read and what you really want is to convert somebody to be enthusiastic about your ideas yeah. um, so I do a lot of um, work for nonprofits um, I do a lot of uh, uh, speaking and a lot of you know short telephone calls with entrepreneurs who just have ideas or encountering a problem and I, I never think about you know am I making money for this I really think that there's a very big karmic circle in, in marketing. So you business. also then uh, really have a mission and a purpose to help others yeah, get their absolutely. word out. Absolutely. And I don't think you can be you know, successful in, in this kind of a business unless you feel that. Yes. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break, and let's tell people again that your book is it, it's really not a step-by-step handbook on how to forge a replica of something like a bird's bees from your kitchen, <laughs> but it's really more of a source of lessons from people who've marketed themselves successfully, and you call them accidental marketers because they've really come from like an internal place. I mean, that's what I hear. And let's just go over these six rules of research. You've talked about do sweat the small stuff, which is the details, do pick a fight, which means disagree and stand up for what you believe in. Three, be your own customer, like what, you know, buy your own products. Uh, four, be unnaturally persistent. The overnight success takes 10 to 20 years. And then building a myth that you work to determine the narrative of your brand. So you really work to get that narrative going. And then the last one is be faithful. 
and that is that successful entrepreneurs figure out who really supports them and keep listening to them. So get your cheer team, get your team behind you, <laughs> is what you're saying. All right, and if people want to know more about this book or how to brand themselves, they can log on to Accidental Branding, and they can email you. And give us that email again, please, David. Yes, David at Brand Trainers with no punctuation, B-R-A-N-D-T-R-A-I-N-E-R-S.com. Okay. All right. Folks, this is a specially pre-recorded program for you on positive living. Uh, you won't be calling in, but certainly these are wonderful concepts on branding yourself, particularly if you have a vision that's so close to your heart. So you can, again, you can log on to accidentalbranding.com. All right, and remember that Positive Living is always on Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern. All shows are archived on voiceamerica.com. You log on and you go to Voice America because there are several networks and you look up Raskin. Or you can go to raskinresources.com and, uh, and, and look it up that way. All right, and then there's, a, there's one more way that you can look it up. You can certainly go to raskinresources.com, and you can also go to the direct link, which would be Radio Raskin, radio.raskinresources.com, radio.raskinresources.com, and you can listen to all the archive shows. All right, folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell. They say it's from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote. And then I stopped volunteering, and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. All Things Music with composer and songwriter Tara Tucker brings to the Voice America channel music genres not typically heard on your FM radio dial. World music, folk, indie, classical, religious, early medieval. What you won't hear is top 40, rap or rock, or celebrity news from the streets, or the tabloids of Hollywood. Each week, Tara will showcase a different musical style, the musicians who perform it, the history behind it, and she promises to broaden your musical horizons. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific to All Things Music with Tara Tucker on the Voice America channel. Attention swimmers, get out of the water. Everybody, out of the water immediately. Dude, is that? It's a pair of thunder thighs. Big ones, too. That mom who's been swimming a lot with her kids must have lost them. Whoa. I heard about this happening once up at Laguna. Small step number 54. Play with your kids. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787.com. That's it. 
Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. We have a specially pre-recorded program for you today, so you won't be calling in, but you can log on to accidentalbranding.com. We're talking about how ordinary people who are entrepreneurs with a vision can really make it work. As hard as it is and as many businesses that fail, fail each week and each year, there are people that make it, and David Vinjamari, who is the author of Accidental Branding, How Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Brands, is here to tell us about this. Welcome back, David. Thank you. All right. We've got some stories in the book, some stories about these companies you've worked with, like uh, Craigslist, Craig Newmark, and Cliff Barr, Gary Erickson. Now, everyone knows Craigslist. How did Craig Newmark make that happen? Um, it's funny. Craig is an interesting guy, and I should say that it, for any of you listeners who haven't um, seen the book yet, I actually wanted to do the book like a series of Vanity Fair profiles. So I don't just tell you the story of the book. I actually tell you about the, my story of my experience with the entrepreneur, and I spent time with all of these people. My theory was if I not only saw heard from them firsthand how they built the brand, but I actually saw how they were living their life at the point when all of them can more or less do whatever they want. I understand the values that led them to create the brand. So Craig is an, such an interesting guy. I, um, I contacted him uh, by email, and uh, his, his email is craig at craigslist.org. And I wrote to him completely out of the blue. He didn't know who I was. Um, I didn't have somebody introduce me, and he literally emailed me back in about eight minutes. Um, you know, and this is the guy, he's Craig of Craigslist. They're one of the top ten size, sites on the Internet. They have hundreds of millions of people visit their site every year, so it's a very big business in a lot of ways. And uh, I arranged to see Craig, and um, when I actually showed up, um, he had me meet him at his house in California, and, he, and we sort of have a had a, a misunderstanding, and he didn't expect me there. So he was like in, in his uh, pajamas when, I, uh, when he answered the door. Um, so he sort of said, uh, I wasn't expecting you today, but you can, you can come around and hang out with me um, if you don't mind going on an errand with me. And I said, sure, you know, why not? I'd, that sounds fine. It turns out the errand was to go to his doctor for a pre-surgical visit. Um, so we're, we walk up the hill at UCSF in, uh, in San Francisco and go up to the 13th floor of this building, and I sit in the waiting room for about an hour waiting for him. And then we're walking out, and he's telling me that he's going to have um, uh, his gallbladder removed. And we get into the elevator, and his doctor shows up in the elevator, so he introduces us. We walk outside the building, and we're standing there, and the doctor is trying to explain to me how Craig has got this unique metabolism and they're doing, they've enrolled him in a clinical trial and they're, they're doing all this special stuff, and I really didn't understand any of it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And um, then uh, at the end of that, the doctor goes to, uh, says goodbye, and Craig goes to shake his hand. And the doctor is sort of fumbling around, and he can't shake Craig's hand, and I realize it's because he has a handful of test tubes in his hand with blood in them, and it's all Craig's blood. So that was the way that I met Craig. Mm. The way that he started the business was that he, he was actually um, a software engineer. So he was sort of a, he calls himself a, ne- a nerd and a geek and a programmer. And he was living in San Francisco. And um, this is in the very early days of the Internet in the, in the 90s. 
and he was interested in computer stuff and politics and culture. And he started mail- emailing around um, a list of events to his friends. And after a few months, his friends started sending him suggestions for other things that he didn't know about to do. And he kept emailing it. And after a year or two, the list got so big that it crashed his email. What? Isn't so, that interesting? So he decided that he, he could yes, easily... Yes, no, no, let's stop for a minute. Sure, sure. Someone else would have given up at that point. Do you exactly. agree? Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And there's, there's actually other people who did exactly the same thing. A very nice man named Bernardo Joslovich, um, who's Argentinian, who had a list in New York City that still runs. And they essentially just kept doing what they were doing. Um, but Craig said, well, how can I do this better? And he figured out a way to put it online and make it easier for people to go online and, and find out about events. Then in, in another year or two, people suggested, well, you know, couldn't we list things that we want to sell here? And so he set it up. And it, it sort of grew that way organically. It took him until it was about four years or so until he actually got somebody working for him and he turned it into a, a real business. And in that time, he literally hadn't charged anybody for anything, but he realized that he was going to have to pay for servers and everything, and they mm-hmm. decided to start charging um, real estate brokers to list properties and, and charging employers to list jobs. Mm. Um, and both of those were requested by those communities because they, they knew that charging anything would get rid of a lot of the false listings. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been very successful with that. And so that's how he started. He basically started charging because he had to. Yeah, he started charging because he had to. Like that, he's very anti-commercial. So he he was never in this to make money. He frankly doesn't care so much about money one way or the other now. Um, Why, David? Let me ask you this because this really intrigues me. Why has his? Why is Craigslist? So successful. Why do so many people go to Craigslist? Now there are other there are other options out there. What is it? What's the key? Yeah, well, you know, it's a good. It's sort of the million dollar question, right? But clearly, part of it is that it's simple, it's easy to use, and it works. And part of it is that a lot of other people use it. So it sort of was the, the first one to get there and get enough people using it so it could be a forum. And it, what, I think it, what it's done is it's really re- replaced the classified ads in the newspaper. You know, Craigslist, when I was uh, interviewing him, we were, one of the times I met him, we were here in New York City. And we were at a little um, uh, restaurant in the village, and um, the waitresses found out that he was Craig from Craigslist, and this one woman said, oh, I got my this job, my last job, my apartment, most of the furniture in my apartment, and my boyfriend from Craigslist. Oh. And that's sort of the typical <laughs> That's pretty good. There. Yeah, exactly. That's one-stop shopping, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and especially with, with, you know, sort of kids in their early 20s, Craigslist, they really can meet all of their life needs on it. So it's just like this big open forum, um, which if you lived in a small town and they sold stuff in the town square, it would be the same thing, but this is for cities. Mm. Fascinating. All right, we have just a couple minutes left. Is there something special that you really want to leave our listeners with today? For example, people who come to you and they've 
just about got it if they just stayed there long enough. You know, sort of like that one piece of advice that will encourage people to stay with it, David. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, have passion for what you're doing and be a storyteller. If you think about, you know, the way that you teach children to um, understand your values, it's by telling stories. It's about telling about your parents and your grandparents and things that you experienced when you were a child. And instead of saying, don't do this or don't do that, <clears throat> you're giving them a more complete lesson. And as a, as when you're building your own brand, that's what you want to do too. You want to share stories that help people understand who you are and what's important to you because stories are so much more memorable than simple lessons. Um, and so I would urge everybody to, you know, become a storyteller. I think that's a great experience for building. And what would you say to people who, you know, like like Craig, whose computer crashed, you know, or like me who has stayed with it but has had, you know, those moments when people weren't listening? What do you say to those people um, when they, they get discouraged? Well, I'd say, you know, step back. And, and look at what you're doing and see, do you have some people who are really passionate with you about what you're doing? Are, are you providing something that's useful? Does your business make sense? And if you can answer yes to those questions, then don't give up because okay. there, there, there is a way and you'll, you'll find it if you're passionate enough about it. Thank you so much for being on the program, David. Thank you, Patricia. Really appreciate it. Just want to let people know, my guest today has been David Vinjamora. Vinjamori, author of Accidental Branding, How Extraordinary People Build Extraordinary, How Ordinary People, who really are extraordinary, but How Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Brands. You can log on to accidentalbranding.com, and you actually can write to him if you have ideas. He will, he's very generous and will certainly hear your entrepreneurial thoughts or help you, uh, help you with, with something that you need some advice with. David at brandtrainers.com. You've been listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. As I always say when I close my program, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, which we talked about today, and know that you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, when we have a live show for you, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a great Memorial Day and a great week. Listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.